in this time between Christmas and Lent that we call Epiphany and the season after Epiphany. We hear stories that gradually reveal the nature of Jesus to those around him. So last week, the wise men's visit showed his sovereignty. Today, his baptism manifests who he is as God's son, the voice from on high, this is my beloved. Next week, his first miracle at the wedding at Cana will reveal his divine power. And on through the season, little revelations, little hints about his identity, who he is. So as this season progresses and you hear these gospel readings, consider how your identity might be sharpening into focus as a beloved child of God. How do these readings kind of interface with your life? Pray that Christ may help you ease into your fullest and truest and sweetest self in these coming weeks as we head towards the season of Lent once more. After all, the liturgical color for this season will be green, a visual reminder for us to grow in faith as the disciples did through these revelations. That's kind of my overture for the season. <laughs> Here's the sermon. There's an old clergy joke that goes like this. Old St. Edmund's Episcopal Church was having a problem. Somehow, a cloud of bats had taken up residence inside the church steeple, and nothing the sexton did could get rid of them. He tried spraying up insect repellent, leaving scraps of meat in traps on the narthex floor, blasting loud disco music up into the steeple. He even learned their mating call and tried wooing them out of their encampment. Nothing worked. Finally, the associate rector came along and said, let me give it a try. Looking skeptical, this was after all the wet behind the ears associate rector, the sexton said, be my guest. So the associate rector went back into the sacristy, put some holy water in the aspersorium, the holy water bucket, retrieved the aspergillum, the holy water wand, and came back to the narthex. Then he flung some holy water up into the steeple and baptized all of the bats. <laughs> Suddenly, in a great big whoosh, the cloud of bats swooped down the steeple and flew out the narthex door. Flabbergasted, the sexton stared at the associate wide-eyed, who looked back and smiled wryly. And don't worry, they won't be back. So, last night at the service, I told that joke and some people didn't get it. So it's sort of an insider joke, I guess. Um, basically, uh, there's, a, there's a trope that when uh, families come and have their babies baptized, it's all very fun and festive, and you never see them again. So, <laughs> so there we are. As, as go babies, so go bats. <laughs> so believe it or not, I cluelessly told this story in a sermon a few years ago when I was associate rector in Long Beach right before baptizing two infants on this very feast day of the baptism of Christ. I don't know what I was thinking. The two sets of parents were all sitting in the front row, and the faces of all but one of them went pale. One father looking a little miffed. 
Realizing my faux pas, I tried to cover by saying, but I'm sure that won't be the case with these two wonderful families. It was. (laughs) (laughs) But even in cases where families don't return to church after a baptism, the fact remains that they, and we, are drawn to participate in this ritual, to have our infants baptized. The symbolism and meaning lies deep within our soul. What it says is, we belong to God. Baptism is the public affirmation of that relationship. (laughs) Jesus proclaims that very thing when he insists that John baptize him in the river Jordan so that all can see that he is just like them, a beloved child of God, yet also unique. Because it's not every day that the voice comes from heaven announcing, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. At least that didn't happen at my baptism. Parents bring their infants to God to be sealed by that bond. Youth and adults who are baptized affirm the bond on their own. We as a community gather around them as witnesses. And in doing so, we remind ourselves that just like those babies or those adults, we are part of the body of Christ. We belong to God. As we recite the baptismal covenant together in a few minutes, I urge you to not glaze over, but to think about what you're saying and hearing and what it means for your life. The words can seem rote if you've heard them dozens of times. We say the baptismal covenant renewal at least four times a year. But they tell a story of redemption and love, and you are featured in it. Our baptism unlocked the promise, the one described by Isaiah in today's first reading. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God. Because you are precious in my sight and honored. And I love you. Do not fear, for I am with you. I'm sure most of you have passed through raging waters and through fires and maybe got a little drowned or got a little burned. And so hearing these words are a salve and a reminder that you made it through. I imagine Jesus also heard these words in his head as he was submerged in the river Jordan and then heard them echoing down from the sky. And those words do echo down to us every day. Whether we hear them or not, we are precious and beloved, and God is well pleased with us. But how often we forget these words and this promise. We glaze over at its message. We don't quite believe it's true for us, maybe, or we allow it to be drowned out by the roar of our own sense of sin and our stuckness. And I know I do. But truth be told, many of us could stand to hear those words about how beloved we are on a continual loop, Because their assurance is something we can't seem to rely on when the distress of life erupts. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not fear, for I am with you. When baptism involved being submerged back in the day, the symbolism was perhaps clearer. Drowning or dying to our former life of sin, of smallness, then emerging into new life, 
one of forgiveness and promise. In a sense, it's not just at baptisms that we need these reminders of God's love. We constantly need to be dying to the things that keep us from living into the person God wants us to be. When we witness a baptism or renew our baptismal vows, these rituals help us restore our intention to become that fuller self in the presence of our community. That's what that renewal of the baptismal covenant is about. I want to be this best person that God calls me to be. And I want you all to witness this with me. William, my better half, told me the story of his friend Vicky and her godson. The boy was one of those kids who was basically born a monk, very serious and religious at a strangely young age. When he was five years old, he begged his mother to let him attend the Russian Orthodox service with Vicky that she was going to on the Feast of the Baptism of Christ. Now, if you've ever been to a Russian Orthodox service, you know that they can last a good three hours. This would kill most children. But when this little boy came out of the church, he was wide-eyed with wonder. And when he saw his mother when he got back home, he exclaimed, Mommy, Mommy, today the River Jordan came to us. My wish for you today is to see with the eyes of this child, to behold the magnitude of God's love in your life rushing towards you. Today we give thanks for the sacrament of holy baptism. On this, the feast of the baptism of Christ. But kind of like the sacrament of Holy Eucharist, there's a tendency for us to gloss over its profound message of salvation and adoption that we've heard across the centuries if we don't pay attention with the ears of our heart. So I invite you this day to let yourself be open to the undertow of divine love, of God pulling you into the mystery that flows below all these words and rituals that we enact every week in this sacred place. You are beloved. Do not fear, for I am with you.